What are you? Are you drinking through a from a a jug? Is that pickle juice? No, it's a it's a jar. What are you drinking? Um, it's raspberry and lemon squash. Why through a jar? Have you not got glasses? Because I like to drink out of the jar. Ah, because it looks like you're drinking pickle juice out of a jar. Because <laughs> it's a weird colour. <laughs> it's it's pink though. It's not green. Or it could be like some kind of like pink pickle. Okay. Well, it's... what's wrong with glasses? Um, I just like the shape and feel of the of the jar. You sound like my dad now. My dad was having a go at me about it over the Christmas holiday. But like, is it was it a jar of something, or did you just buy a jar for drinking? I found it and then thought that looks like <laughs> it would be a good drinking vessel, and it is. So I used it. Where Where did you find it? In my parents' house. Ah, so you find a jar in your parents' house, and then you decide to use it, and then you decide to take it home with you. Yep. And did you use the entire Christmas period to annoy your dad? Yep. <laughs> well, that's Yeah, I did, yeah. Was he really annoyed? Every day. <laughs> I love it. And then when I went, when I would decide to take it home, I was like, I'll, I'll pack it to take it home. And my dad said, make sure you pack the lid. And I said, it doesn't have a lid, it's a glass. And he just went... <laughs> oh, oh, God, I wish I was there. Yeah, you was... need to film these things. I want to see your dad being annoyed at you drinking from a jar. Why does it matter? Why do people care what other people do? It annoys me. I don't. I don't. I was just wondering what you. No, I don't mean you. I mean my dad wouldn't let it. Wouldn't let it. Because <laughs> it, if it was water, then I was like, yeah, it's water. But it's because it's like squash. A weird color. Squash. Color squash. squash. Raspberry and lemon I squash. I forgot the squash existed. There's no squash here. They don't have squash in Italy. Oh. squash is great. No, we have only full, full fruit juice. Juice. Well, full fruit juice is lovely, but very expensive and runs out quickly, whereas squash lasts a while. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have some squash in the house. <laughs> and they do cool flavours now. I've got strawberry and watermelon, and I've got raspberry and lemon, and they're both delicious. Of course. Mm. And when I'm one on one, I have a very fancy day. I buy the glass bottle of rhubarb, orange blossom, and something else. And it's great. Wow. <coughs> oh. Sorry. It's all right. That took me by surprise. No, it's fine. Do you want to go to go again? What? That. <laughs> I don't want to sneeze again. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you. Okay, shall we start? Yeah, okay. let's do this. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. It's called Culture Bucket. Welcome one and all to the 89th episode of the Culture Bucket Podcast, the greatest podcast in the universe where two best friends talk about all things pop culture, movies, music, books, video games, etc. Uh, today, 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 we've got a very special episode for you because we're going to be discussing the second season of the greatest white people satire of all time, The White Lotus. Uh, and we'll be visiting lovely, beautiful Sicily. 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 Um, good. 
And um, I was just briefly trying to remember a playground rhyme from when I was a kid about Sicily, but I can't remember it. It was something about... I'm, I'm George, by the way. Hi. <laughs> and uh, you're with me with my co-host, your other host, Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, George. Hi, hi everyone. Hi, hi. How are you doing? Good, George thank today? you. Uh, I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Good. I can see in your eyes that you're trying to remember this nursery rhymes about... So it was something to do with, because when, when you were doing geography and stuff, you would recognise Italy by the fact it looks like a big shoe. Yeah. And it's it looks like it's kicking Sicily. And the rhyme was ah. something like, look at big Italy kicking little Sicily. Oh, poor Sicily. <laughs> yeah, well, you, <laughs> that's you, not me. I'm not kicking Sicily. You over oh, there yeah. in northern Italy, you're providing all the yeah. all the muscle, all the power yeah. of that, that, that yeah. big weird stiletto needs to really just ram it right into Sicily. It's amazing how like Italy does look like a boot and you know it's like you know it I don't know it's just funny it's a funny country. It is. Full of... <laughs> and and it, even the shape is weird. <laughs> yeah it's just this big weird shoe hanging off this demented monster. Yeah. <laughs> um, doing... We are we are known for our fashion. Not me personally, but ah, you don't <laughs> don't put yourself down. <laughs> well, George, you've known me for years. My fashion is not the greatest. I think you could walk any catwalk in Milan. Apart <laughs> for the fact that I'm five foot, <laughs> like yeah. yeah. Well, that's their that's their problem, not yours. Yeah, I guess so. Um, thank you, George. Unrealistic I... standards of height in the fashion industry. I know. I know, but I am an unrealistic standard of height as well because I don't know many people that are as short as me. I know more people that are as short as you than I know people who are as tall as Kate. Yeah, you work in a school. You work in a a secondary school. I mean, adults. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I know as many adults who are your height, more adults at your height than I know adults who are as tall as... um, a fashion supermodel such as mm. uh, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <There's> just... <laughs> She's not a fashion supermodel. Kate, Kate, She's quite short, Kate actually. Upton. Kate Upton. Kate Upton, yeah, I guess so. I don't know how she's tall. Alexandra Daddario. She's not a fashion model. I think she was a model, was she, before she was, was a... she? Anya Taylor-Joy. She's not a model. She was a model, though, because I saw a, a ah. little snippet of an interview of her where she got scouted to be a model. Ah, okay. Because she got, yeah. Uh, Kate Upton is uh, 178, which I'm not sure how much it is in feet. It's very light, slightly. It's like 5 foot 11 or something. Five, it's it's just underneath my height and I'm 6 foot. 5 foot 8. Oh, okay. No, 5 foot 11. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. Good stuff. <laughs> well, thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, that was fun. Uh, so, today, <laughs> so before we move on any further, I'm going to say that if you're listening this far and if you listen to other episodes, I demand that you go and <laughs> review us and rate us on all available podcast apps and platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But equally, I also demand that you follow us and subscribe to us on all relevant social media platforms that you use where you may find us. Primarily TikTok and Instagram, but you could also yeah. find us on Facebook if you wanted to. Um, 
and I am very close to putting my letterboxed up on our feeds as well. So yeah, soon you'll be able to follow my letterbox once I get over the fear of people seeing all my movie opinions. Um, so well, they are seeing them anyway, George. So no, it's true. But all well. what if I say something on a what if I say something on an episode going that movie was stupid, and then a listener goes, well, on letterboxed you gave it four stars and a little heart. What if that happens? It doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, go <laughs> and do that. Fine. Tell your friends about us. Get more people to listen and uh, follow us on social media platforms. And we'll move on now. We're going to do our usual um, stuff this week. We're going to start with Culture Catch-Up. Then we're going to go into some MyTube and look at some music videos and film trailers. And then we're going to review the second season of The White Lotus, which is exciting. So... As long, uh, as long as we listen to the, we have to listen to the intro. Okay. Um, it's just the best. That's good by me. Um, and let's go into Culture Catch-Up. This is Culture Catch-Up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. What on earth have you been doing with yourself? So I finally listened to... Uh, properly to uh, SOS, the album by Scissor. Not the ABBA song. No. Finally, properly just sat down and really listened to SOS by ABBA. <laughs> by ABBA, yeah. <laughs> I spent an entire week. <laughs> it's a great song. Did you listen to it when Pierce Brosnan sang it in Mamma Mia? Because that's a whole new, that gives the song a whole new no, flavour. No, I, I think I, I've seen Mamma Mia, but I can't remember him singing it. Oh, it's the only point where they out. were brave enough to allow him to sing, and it's amazing. <laughs> Is it bad? Yeah, he's sort of grunting his way. S-O-S! It's great, though. <laughs> it's great in a very bad way. Anyway, what about the Scissor album? It's amazing. Like, I have, I really, really, really enjoy it. And uh, it feels like it's not just one artist. It's like, it feels like lots of artists singing. Yeah. And it feels so eclectic and interesting. And I love how she talks about she wants to, you know, from the beginning, kill her ex. And it's incredible it there's a song called uh, ghost in the machine that fe- features phoebe bridges phoebo bebo what phoebo bebo and i don't know why this song like you know there's scissor they're singing and then suddenly this the music kind of stops and then phoebe starts and you go what and it's just this ethereal kind of beautiful sound that she adds to this incredible song so good Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so good mm-hmm. but I think my favourite song in the album is called Snooze okay I just love that song do you remember it? Uh, I might have to listen to a bit of it <clears throat> to remind myself Reminds me a little bit of uh, Childish Gambino. Okay. And and I I I love how much she's just she's got influence from loads of different genre, genres of music, and she's made this 
huge album that have 23 songs mm-hmm. and it's great i'm glad that i give it more of a listen after the first time i listened to it i was listening to it recently and the song that jumped out at me as being one of my favorites is gone girl you know that song oh yeah 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 amazing This bit, I love this bit, the chorus. Yes, amazing. Amazing album. And, uh, and what do you yeah, what do you think I of mean, the pop rock song F two F? Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, called F two F. Yeah, no? yeah, yeah, yeah. F two F. I loved that song. It's just kind of amazing, and it it, it is Avril Lavigne. Elevated Avril Lavigne. <laughs> hey, don't like, don't put down Avril Lavigne in order to raise. I'm up not Scissor. putting down Avril Lavigne, but <laughs> I think uh, Scissors a very is a great songwriter, and I think it's it works in a in a different way. I agree, and I I love this album, and even the the album cover. I didn't realize like she she took the... inspiration of the photo of Diana mm-hmm. on the yacht mm-hmm. when she was with the Alfaed. And uh, pretty amazing. She's uh, she's great. Yeah, she's a true love. And artist. her voice, like how does her voice change it so much mm. between songs? It's just it's almost great. Uh, rivals Kendrick Lamar's ability to manipulate his own mm. voice. It's sort of that level of yeah. artistry. It's 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 impressive. So next up, Sudan yeah. Archives for you. Yes, please. next time. I think you'll I like talk to you about. I really think you like that album. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Uh, and then I've uh, watched a couple of movies. Uh, the first one uh, called um, The Lost Daughter, a film that came out in 2021. Mm-hmm. And it's based on the novel by the same name by an Italian author called Elena Ferrante. It's about uh, Leda, played by Olivia Coleman, who is an English professor, how she likes to uh, underline it in uh, while she talks to people uh she arrives in this um greek resort i guess she wants to spend the summer there it's not really clear and uh, when she arrives she's kind of one of those people that is loving the the greek lifestyle but she's still quite cold and uptight and quite distant uh, with the people that are helping her there uh, she seems quite at peace until this american family uh, arrives a huge American family. Then, from what I understand, it seems to be like an Italian American family. So very like boisterous Italian American families. A family arrives in the on the beach she's staying at, and um, she starts observing uh, this mother with her daughter. Uh, the mother Nina, played by Dakota Johnson, and um, this relationship between mother and daughter kind of triggers in Leda, played by Olivia Coleman, some kind of <clears throat> thoughts from her past. And she starts, and her relationship with her daughters, and she starts kind of having, doing weird things and triggers some weird behaviours. And um, nothing much happens in the movie. It kind of explores the idea of motherhood and the relationship between mothers and their children. It's quite interesting, and uh, there's a lot to think about. Maggie Gyllenhaal directed in a really lovely way it's a really beautiful film to watch olivia coleman is great as usual she's she's 
incredible she's amazing and uh, the way she changes throughout the film from when she arrives and she's this college professor until the end she has a breakdown and uh, incredible acting dakota johnson is really good she's not she's not very much in the film the film concentrates mainly on leda olivia coleman but uh dakota johnson's is really good ed harris is in it which is i haven't seen ed harris in many years and also a fan uh fan favorite in this po- on this podcast uh paul mescal is in it as well nice paul mescal by the beach what can you have wrong <laughs> no um you haven't watched it have no you? it's a netflix movie isn't it so it or at least it is in the uk on netflix so it popped mm. up um on netflix ages ago and uh i kept thinking of watching it because i like olivia coleman i really like maggie gyllenhaal so i was like mm. i'd like to see what she you know what a directorial movie from from her looks like and stuff but Mm. I could never work out looking at the description of it if it was like, cause it's called The Lost Daughter. So I was like, is it mm. a, f- a mystery of some kind? Is it a thriller or is it just a drama? And because I could never quite tell what kind of film it was going to be. I never really mm. worked out what, when I wanted to watch it, if that makes sense. It's not what it seems mm. in a way. Right. Yeah. You're being as vague as Netflix. But you're not really sure who the lost daughter is in the film, and then you have to kind of like realize who it is. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's not as it's not as clear because when I first saw the trailer, I thought it was going to be something like, you know, Olivia Coleman goes on holiday and then she finds that she had a daughter before, but it's not that. It's not that. Right. Is you have to figure out in a way <coughs> who is the lost person here. Yeah. Mm. And I forgot um there are lots of flashbacks in the film and uh young Leda uh plays is played by Jesse Buckley which yes! Yeah, I she's Jessie great Buckley. in it as well. Really like the flashbacks and it kind of is very good to have like Olivia Coleman as a, you know, the present and great actress and have uh, Jesse Buckley as the past and still great actress. So it worked well. There was really good casting there. <clears throat> good. Yes, um, and then I watched uh, a film called uh, that came out last year, twenty twenty two, called "She Said." Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, which is the story of uh, the two journalists, Megan Tui, played by the irreplaceable, fantastic, amazing um, Carrie Mulligan, and Jodie Cantor, played by Zoe Kazan. Mm. Uh, and they broke the story on the New York Times about the abuse and the cur- covering of abuse in uh, Miramax, uh, the company, uh, you know, founded and CEO'd by the infamous uh, Harry Weinstein. Mm. Um, it's a it's a really good film. Uh, although you know the story, uh, you know what's happened <coughs> fair you know you know what went on um it's quite shocking to watch it in a film and see the timeline of it and the difficulties they they had to try to publish this story and the amount of uh protection uh miramax had and uh the fact that uh, a lot of <clears throat> women couldn't talk because they signed NDAs and I didn't realize NDAs were so unbreakable um NDAs non-disclosure mm-hmm. agreements and they're kind of you know 
bulletproof, like you can't break NDAs. And that's why it was so difficult to get people to, to speak. And uh, the power that this one man had in Hollywood and the amount of evidence that there was, because there was also a recording in 2016, which they actually played in the film. And I heard this recording and it was a recording of this um, um, Ambra Gutierrez um, that was going in his room and the night before he um, uh, assaulted her. And the next day she went with a wire and she wouldn't go in the room, but you can hear this conversation that she's having with Harvey Weinstein. And even with that physical evidence, they still didn't do anything. And um, uh, and they talk <coughs> about, you know, Rose McGowan is mentioned in the film. And also there's a cameo from um, the actress Ashley Judd. She's actually in it, playing herself, uh, because she was one of the first women that said, you can disclose my name, because a lot of women didn't want to put their name out there because they didn't want to, you know, if you go by yourself, you're not like a group. Yeah, because if it didn't... Uh, you're if, not strong you know, enough. If you got through it, you'd, you'd have ruined your career, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah, but... Yeah, so Ashley Judd is actually in it as herself, which is really powerful. And there's there's no embellishments in this film. There's no, like... It's just a, a, just a film stating the fact, acted extremely well by... Uh, Kerry Mulligan and Zoe Kazan and uh, it's a great really good film um, unfortunately I, I, it's so hard to find as well like I couldn't find it in Italy uh, on Amazon and I had to go on Amazon.co.uk it's like £16 to rent which is a lot of money well that's because it's still but... in the cinemas here ah is it still in the cinemas I think if it's not in the cinemas it's literally just left I think there's still ah, some okay. showing it. It's very, it's a really new film. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Because I was just like, I really want to watch it, and I, I was just there's, it's not in the cinema here, and I just thought I watch, I, I, I need to watch it, and it's great. Uh, if you want to go to the cinema and watch it, it's a great film. Or if not, you can find it for sixteen pounds. <laughs> and I, I, I thought you know it's like a cinema ticket, you know, yeah, just a yeah, more yeah. expensive cinema ticket, exactly. and. Uh, uh, but it's it's great and uh, shocking and uh, um, really well made, uh, and uh, I would definitely recommend to go and watch it. Cool, good. I want to. Yeah. I want to see it. Yes, and then the last thing I did, I finished the second season and maybe the last season. We don't know yet of uh, uh, the Netflix Japanese series Arisu in Borderland. I talked about this first season when it came out last year and it's about this um, Arisu and his <coughs> friends that uh, half, uh, one day suddenly Tokyo disappears and it becomes a game, uh, a game land. And uh, what they have to do to uh, survive in this land is play the games, but mm -hmm. also... Uh, get uh, more days on their visas so if you if you don't play a game you don't get any days on your visas so um, if you lose the game you die if you don't have enough days on your visa you die so it's a, it's a dying game uh, the first season was um, was for me great and uh, you know they had to um, you know they had to play games and they had to like win these cards and every card every game was a different card and a different suit um and the first season ends with them having uh having played most games like the easy games and um 
having won most of the cards. And in this, the second season starts with them, with the only cards that are left are the face cards and they are the most difficult games. Mm. And um, the games are much harder in the second season and people have been in this land, gaming land, for a very long time. So people have become more twisted mm. and more kind of taking more risks <coughs> and stuff. And also that you find out who is making these games, the big card games, and so some truths are revealed <gasps> and oh and uh and uh, it's a great season the second one and i think it's better than the first one and it's a bit it's very violent and uh, very psychological and it's fun it's a lot of fun it the the episodes are an hour long but they fly by because lots of stuff happens and um relationships become closer and uh, and then you realize at the end what is this gaming land and if it's real or not real and what it is about. So it's it's a it's a great conclusion to, uh, the these characters, but I think maybe there might be another season mm. if they can because the manga is still going on. Mm. If you fancy watching something that's quite entertaining and, um, there's lots of blood and gore and stuff, watch Arisu in Borderland. Good. Which I, I hate the fact they call him Alice in Borderland, but I think it was a, like his name is Arisu. Right. And they wanted to do like a game, like a play on words, Arisu in Borderland. Yeah. But here they, here they call it Alice. I was like, but his name is not Alice though, it's Arisu. So never mind. Great translations. Yeah. Good, good work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's it for my my viewing and listening for this week some good things there thank you very much yes yes how about you uh how about me indeed well i've got four movies to talk to you about um yeah good ones i think but first very briefly uh, i want to announce to the world <gasps> A, <gasps> an update to my top 10 movies of 2022 <gasps> no <gasps> It now goes number 10, The Menu, number 9, Matilda, number 8, Terrified 2, number 7, Everything Everywhere All At Once, number 6, Avatar, The Way of Water, number 5, Top Gun Maverick, number 4, The Batman, number 3, Glass Onion, number 2, Bones and All, and number 1, After Sun. <laughs> you changed it. Yeah, because after watching After Sun a second time, I, I realised it was uh, it's a masterpiece of cinema. So that's good. Um. Anyway, moving on from that... <clears throat> Because like I said, people are going to maybe, I'm going to add my letterbox to our social media soon and then people will be able to see my letterbox list and I'll be like, but George said Bones and All was his number one. So people need to be told. Anyway, <laughs> it's important. Okay. It's very important. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, I've seen f four movies this week and I will tell you about them now. So first up, Empire of Light. Yes, you heard of Empire I saw it on your letterbox. Yeah. We both watched uh, Olivia Colman film this week. We both watched an Olivia Colman film this week where it starts off with her seeming like a normal uh, woman who has, is in full control of her faculties and then potentially becomes uh, a bit unhinged from reality, which is interesting. Ah. Ah. It's clearly <laughs> a, a, um, a character that she enjoys playing. So... Empire of Light. Empire of Light is the latest movie from um, Sam Mendes, Oscar-winning Sam Mendes, director mm -hmm. of films like American Beauty, 1917, Skyfall, yep. Spectre. Um, 
a whole load of films that are considered very important big movies within the world of cinema. Um, this is the first film that he has written and directed entirely himself. He's not had, he's not got co-screenwriter credits on this. He wrote it. It's his entire thing. Mm. Um, the cinematography for the film was done by Roger Deakins, who is uh, probably the greatest living cinematographer. His photography is beautiful. He's done the photography mm-hmm. on films like Dune, Sicario, mm. uh, Skyfall, <clears throat> I think 1917, I think, or maybe not actually, but like he makes beautiful movies that look gorgeous. The soundtrack was written and um, made by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who are two of my favourite, <clears throat> you know, Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails, etc. And it stars acting treasures such as Olivia Coleman, um, Toby Jones, Colin Firth, um, an actor who I didn't know called Michael Ward, but he's been in like 20 episodes of Top Boy. So I think he's, you know, pretty big equally. He won the BAFTA Rising mm. Star Award in 2020. Um, and the movie itself, with all of these incredible artists coming together to, to make it, is a sort of drama, a romantic drama, Mm. Set in... Sorry, you've set me off. I need a tissue. Yeah, we're both having, like, sniffles, eh? Are you... Oh, are you wearing dungarees? You're not wearing dungarees. You're not wearing dungarees. Are you wearing dungarees? Yeah. Oh, my God. Is this something about our age? Why? I really want to buy a pair of dungarees. Oh, I brought a pair of dungarees. I've never... Yeah, but... I've never regretted anything less. It's the best decision. Oh my I've god! Ever made. But is it because we're getting older, like into our forties? Well, not to our, but in mid thirties. I'm not in my forties yet. Like, eh? I'm not. No. To- <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I love it! I love it, George. Oh my god! I've been, I've been wanting to buy dungarees, but I'm too, like going back to my shortness. I'm too short for dungarees, and I look ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well. I look like literally a child. That's that's fine, <laughs> as long as you're comfortable and happy. I guess so. I'll it's see. the most comfortable item of clothing I've ever owned. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, sorry. The film Empire of Light is set in 1980. And it follows the staff of a local cinema called the empire okay uh which is on the coast of kent in southern england olivia coleman plays duty manager hillary and colin firth plays the manager of the hotel donald ellis mr ellis they call him toby jones plays the very particular Mm. projectionist um, Norman, and there's various other staff members as well. And quite early mm. on in the film, a new member of staff arrives at the hotel, uh, Stephen, played by Michael Ward. Stephen is, you know, he's about 20, 20 years old. Olivia Coleman, of course, is playing a character that's that's older than 20, mm. in her you know, mid to late 40s. And very quickly, they form a really strong bond and they, you know, they sort of tiptoe around 
the feelings that they begin to have for each other and it's a kind of what do you call it an august a, 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 a january december romance i'm not i don't remember what the term is but a sort of romantic feeling start to um occur between the two of them mm. and they start to secretly but not very successfully secretly um attempt to uh engage in various romantic uh affairs while working together at the cinema at the same time sam mendes just wants to create this love letter to the golden age of cinema when projectionists actually projected the movies on on film and okay. there was a real artistry to the projection of a film as opposed to today when mm. the, the, the cinema receives a digital file and they just press play on it when when they want the movie to start uh so yeah. there were scenes of toby jones's projectionist character kind of discussing the the beauty of the light and how without light there's no ability to project and da 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 um it's a very weird film that doesn't really isn't really quite anything it has stuff it wants to say about racism because Stephen is a, is a is a black man um and you know in 1980 there was the rise of the national front there was the rise of thatcherism mm. hillary lives in this kind of very closed off world where she doesn't really realize that racism is is the problem that it is as a lot of people mm. would have would have been in, at that point in the 1980s and through her connection with Stephen she sees the way people treat him and react to him and it begins to kind of make her really struggle with the way she views the world and you find out that she's had struggles in the past with mental health problems and they all kind of come to a head at various points in the film as well but at the same time the mo- it, it doesn't feel like the film really is saying anything about racism that I don't know it feels like it's a not window dressing but it doesn't really feel like it's giving it the weight that it needs mm. because the film also is very concerned with just the beauty of, of cinema it's mm. also concerned with um olivia coleman's character's sort of mental state it, it, it kind of goes all over the place it never settles on being any particular one thing it's beautiful to look at and it's very easy to watch because it's full of all these incredible actors and it's made by all these incredible talented people but the movie ultimately it, it doesn't it's not really anything it's very weird it's a very odd movie you know it's a movie where you you walk into the cinema the cinema's kind of full because sam mendes gets people to go to the cinema in the uk at least mm. it's full of like white-haired slightly elderly ladies mm. and you're like oh it's going to be this kind of movie but then Within 10 minutes, Olivia Coleman is doing something to Colin Firth that I don't think any of those ladies ever imagined that they would uh, see on no! screen. <laughs> no, 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 no. While she's I... doing something with her hands and Colin Firth is insisting he'd much rather she be doing it with her mouth. Well, no, that, that's as far as we'll go down that road. But it's, no, I don't want to see that. It's a weird, strange film. And I don't quite mm. know what to make of it. And I think by the end of the year, I'll have forgotten that I even saw it. And it's a pity because mm. all those people getting together to make something, it should be amazing. And it's yeah. just kind of... it's a great cast. It's, it's just an odd, weird thing. Anyway, speaking of odd, weird things, I also went to see the uh, science fiction horror film that you probably have heard of through the TikTok obsession with it. Megan. Yeah. Yeah. Megan, Megan. and her weird little dance. 
Yeah, people are obsessed with her. People are obsessed with Megan, and for good reason, because this movie, oh my word, is pretty good. Is so it? this is this, so this movie is a stupid horror film, and it doesn't want to be anything else. And like the last movie that wanted to be, like I feel like when people were making Empire of Light, they probably were like, "We're going to be going to the Oscars, baby." No, they're not. Megan, no, uh, the people making Megan knew exactly what they were making, and that kind of is all. It's all the better for it. Um. Mm. It stars Alison Williams, who is um, an actress that repeatedly turns in really solid performances in movies that don't quite deserve her. Other than Get Out, she plays the girlfriend in Get Out, and obviously that movie yeah. deserved her. And in Girls. She was very good in I'm Girls. I'm sure she was very good in Girls, but then she popped up in a film called... I think it was called The Perfection, where she played a... I think mm. she was a cellist. It was like a kind of music horror film, and it was very entertaining but very stupid, and she was very good in it. And again, we get a very entertaining yet stupid movie here with a very good performance by Alison Williams. She plays Gemma, a lady who works at a toy company. <laughs> the toy company's name is Funky. The movie opens with a in-world <laughs> Funky, an in-world commercial for the latest Funky product, which is called the Perpetual Pet, which is a little Furby-looking thing that looks like take a Furby. And make mm. display it through about ten different funhouse mirrors, and you end up with a perpetual pet. And the advert is like the perpetual pet learns about you and knows about you and 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 talks to you. And but then through the advert, you can see clearly the main thing the perpetual pet does is fart and then laugh about farting. <laughs> um, but that's Alice. That's Gemma's latest big project is the perpetual pet. She's gifted one to her niece for her birthday, and then you cut to her niece playing with it in the back of a car while her parents drive along a dangerous icy road. Very quickly, due to those factors, um, Gemma's niece no longer has any parents and must go and live with uh, Gemma. And Gemma is not mm. equipped to handle a young girl in her house. The only toys she has are up on a shelf and they are collector's items and not to be played with. And um, mm. she really doesn't know how to interact with um, Katie, her niece that she's suddenly become the legal guardian of. So in an attempt to save herself from having to be a parent, she rushes and finishes the secret project she's been working on, which is Megan, Model 3 Generative Android, I think it stands for. Yeah. And Megan is this little robot girl hmm. who has a creepy weird face that doesn't yeah. move properly. No. And she is paired with Katie and becomes Katie's guardian and will do anything to protect Katie and look after Katie. And learns, um, you know, she's she's built with an AI that learns and interacts with the world around her and kind of moves forwards. And very quickly, she, her 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 insistence on looking after Katie turns, um, homicidal, and we get a sort of a killer doll movie, which everyone loves a killer doll movie. A killer doll movie yeah. is a wonderful thing. The thing that sets this killer doll movie aside are two things: one bad thing and one good thing. The bad thing is. That it's in America at least it's a PG thirteen so it's not got any real violence or gore in it, mm. and it doesn't really feel, it doesn't have the nasty streak running through it that like a Chucky movie would have. It's a bit more yeah. light hearted than that. Like it's a film that you could sit down and watch quite easily without much of a problem, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, okay. which isn't not, like not like a Dead Rise. Dead oh, the Evil Dead, Dead Rise. Rise. No, not like that. The Evil Dead Rise. Um, yeah, it's nothing like the Evil Dead Rise in, in that department. And that's, you know, that's broadly fine. I'm not saying, oh, it, because it doesn't have gore, it's a terrible movie. It's just, I, I would have maybe enjoyed it a little bit more if it had been just a bit nastier. 
But, mm. but, 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 the thing it does have going for it is that Megan is a sassy little girl and she has a, <laughs> she has a, a, a song in her mouth and a, and a dance in her feet and she wants to share it with the world and it's pretty great. This is a movie where a weird little robot girl sings David Guetta's Titanium to, oh my God. to Katie as a lullaby at one point, which is pretty great. She creepily plays the the, the song Like Toy Soldiers. Is it an Aerosmith song? On the piano uh, to try and be okay. intimidating at one point, like do 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 do. Um, she does a very she does a very uh, good dance. Uh, the entirety of which is in the trailers and all over TikTok. Yeah, and um, it's just fun. It just knows what it wants to be, and it wants to be a really fun, exciting movie. It was the third highest grossing Friday opening for any original film not based on like a book or franchise or anything since the pandemic happened in america it made like 30 million dollars in its opening weekend wow. so it's been a massive and what they, they marketed it so well yeah, they marketed it very well and um 12 million i think it cost 12 million dollars to make or something so it's already been guaranteed it's going to be a sequel i think we're going to be seeing megan for quite a while and i'm oh, wow. i'm fine with it i'm fine i'm ready for a new horror icon and i think megan is that icon, she's very well, she's very well performed and very well. Like the 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 girl who does the voice of Megan does it exceptionally well. So I really enjoyed this movie. It's in cinemas now. Go and see it. Um, I think it it deserves some support because it's a it's an original film. I mean, killer doll movies aren't that much of an original idea, but mm. it's done with enough of its own personality to uh to keep you going. So I, I really liked it. I'd recommend people watch it. Uh, next up, I've got two movies to talk about by the same director, and that's that's all me for Culture Catch-Up. And I'm pretty excited about these two movies. So. <laughs> pause. Pause. So there's a film. There's a <laughs> filmmaker called Mark Jenkin. He's from Cornwall. I haven't seen, until yesterday, I hadn't seen any of his stuff. But he made a movie two or three years ago called Bait. Uh, it came out in 2019. And I didn't see it at the time, it somehow passed me by. <clears throat> but my mum and brother actually went to see it and told me it was good. Uh, but I didn't really I didn't really make any impact on me to go and, to try and watch it at all. But then his second film last year, uh the art cinema in Manchester home did a um a premiere release or something of this film around Halloween and they showed it once on one day when I wasn't in Manchester so I couldn't go but I remember reading about it and thinking oh that sounds good and this weekend in Man- in the UK it came out for real in the cinema so I was able to go and see it the film is called Ennis Main and that's spelled E-N-Y-S-M-E-N and it is a Cornish word or Cornish phrase and it means Stone Island mm. the movie and both of Mark Jenkins movies is filmed entirely using like a clockwork hand cranked video camera that records on original photographic film that needs to be processed okay. manually. Um, and Mark Jenkins, wow. at least I don't know if he did it for Ennis Main, but for his first movie, Bait, Mark Jenkins did all this processing and and producing entirely on his own in his studio in Cornwall. The cameras can only pick up images; they cannot record sound. So no sound can be can be recorded on set. All the sound in these films is added in post production later, which gives wow. Mark Jenkins complete control over like the 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 atmosphere and tone of the film, mm. and and also just creates this really strange 
atmosphere because it's all like you know there's there's scenes of characters walking along streets and all you hear is the footsteps because that's the that's all he's decided to add in without any other background noise or anything it just it like it, it's amazing. yeah it's amazing this movie Ennis Main it's set in 1973, and because of the way it's made, it looks like it was made in 1973 because you see all... Mm. He doesn't take away any of the film grain, any of the scratches, any of the little anomalies that show up in film. It's all left there for you to see. And it follows almost exclusively um, a character known only as the volunteer, played by an actress called Mary Woodvine, who lives alone or volunteers to, to live alone for a time on a small island off the coast of Cornwall where every single day she does the same thing. She walks along the cliffs to this tiny little outcropping of flowers, rare flowers. She puts a thermometer in the soil next to the flowers to measure their temperature. She looks at the flowers and observes them and then she walks back along the cliffs. She go, gets to an old mine shaft and drops a stone down the mine shaft and listens to it, listens as it hits the ground below. And then she goes back to the cottage, turns on the generator, makes herself a cup of tea and then um, goes to bed and reads this book. And the book is called A Blueprint for Survival. And she reads it by candlelight. And on the front of the book, and you can, you can see the front of the book every time she's reading it, on the front of the book is just a quote that says something like, after you've read this book, nothing will seem the same again or something like that. Huh. Um. And that's kind of what she does every single day. And you see her do it a handful of times. And then things start to happen. Like things will interrupt her schedule. She'll see certain things. Uh, other people will suddenly appear and you don't quite know if they're meant to be there for real or if she's just seeing them. And things will happen that makes it clear that the past, the present and the future uh, are all sort of weirdly falling out of sync and mm. you see you see things happening out of sequence in a way where you don't quite understand what is happening until maybe like 10 minutes later something will happen that clearly actually happened before the thing you saw it like anyway it's not really a narrative movie shockingly mm. it's it's <laughs> more it, it like it feels like one of the most experimental things i've ever seen in the cinema it's it's almost sort of non-narrative and it really requires you to pay attention to keep up with what it's doing but the atmosphere that is created by the soundtrack and the, the the just the feeling you get from watching it is 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 weird and unsettling and strange and i unsurprisingly i loved it completely i thought it was amazing yeah, um of course like it's been described around as a as a folk horror film but it doesn't it doesn't it's not scary but it is unsettling mm. um it's amazing i absolutely loved it so i went to see that in the cinema yesterday Ennis Main. And immediately came home and watched his first movie, Bait. And Bait, okay. Bait came out in 2019. Also features Mary Woodvine, but also features Edward mm. Rowe, is kind of the lead character in this film of uh, Martin. And Edward Rowe is one of the only other actors that appears in Ennis Main, but is in it for a very small amount of screen time, whereas he's the lead here. Bait is set um, in the modern day, but is still filmed on this hand-cranked camera. And unlike... Ennis main bait is entirely in black and white so has this other timeless quality to it because of that as well um it takes place in a tiny little cornish fishing village and is all about martin is a local fisherman 
His father's died. They had a boat that they used for fishing, but his brother now uses that boat to take tourists out on coastal tours, which Martin hates because he hates the tourists that come in. He hates the outsiders. Mm. He just wants to be a fisherman. He now has to fish without a boat, which involves just putting up a net in the bay and hoping that it catches fish. And he has like one lobster pot that he goes and puts somewhere and hopes that a lobster gets caught by it. And, and, and you know, he's really struggling to get by with this and seeing the outsiders, you know, they sold his dad's house, which is right on the front next to where he parks his, his car um, mm. to, to do his fishing. He, they sold that house to um, an outsider couple who have come in and turned it into a... Outsiders. Exactly. Ugh. Turned it into a holiday cottage. So they come along sometimes to do the holiday cottage business thing and um, then leave when they, when, they, when they need to go back home. You know, the local pub is only open in the summertime. It closes in the winter when there's no tourism as well, which is another thing that upsets Martin. And it's just about this. It's like this rising pressure cooker feeling of mm. something is going to happen between these two groups of people because they're just constantly butting heads throughout the movie. But again, it's kind of told in extended flashback. You get shown a, a, you get shown a little sequence at the start of the movie and then it cuts back to earlier but it's not until you get to the end of the film that you would even understand the relevance of what you're shown at the start. But what, but it's okay. this amazing, beautiful film where when you see that shot again at the end, everything just sort of clicks into place and you kind of understand the implications of what you're looking at, which is great. Um, mm. And again, not as much as in Ennis Main, but there are certain moments where you see things slightly out of sequence and you just have to kind of keep up with it. Mm. And yeah, it's amazing as well. So... And this one is available on the BFI player in the UK and it's available pretty widely around the world, I think. And um, I can't believe it took me like three years to watch it, four years to watch it, because it's amazing. Bait by Mark Jenkin is a, is a masterpiece, in my opinion, as is Ennis Main. So I just suddenly yesterday discovered this guy. Not discovered, because loads <laughs> of people know about him, the first person. But like I personally made the discovery of this filmmaker and I've watched both his movies now. And he's it's incredible stuff. And I'd recommend everyone checks out bait checks out Ennis main yeah and um yeah 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 they sound great they're, they're both very good i think you'd enjoy both of them i think you'd really like bait um and i'd be interested to know what you'd think of Ennis main <laughs> yeah get off my land i'm one of those people yeah but there's it's you know because it's a real <laughs> film like it's it's cinema it's got more nuance to it than you'd maybe expect from that description but it's 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 great it's very good it won uh it won what did it win i'm sure it won a yes it won outstanding debut by a british writer director or producer at the baftas in 2019 um did did bait which is nice 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 indeed i like it so that's all my uh that's my culture catch-up empire of light don't bother megan definitely bother and then any main and bait are masterpieces so a good week nice
Okay, have you seen the new music video for the new Miley Cyrus single? No. Should you want to have a look at that? Yeah, I was waiting for you so we okay. can watch it together. Okay. Uh, I've, I've seen uh, TikTok is obsessed by this song and by Shakira's new song, so I've seen oh. snippets. Oh, Shakira's new song is all about uh, her breakup with Pique, the infamous uh, Barcelona player who oh. had uh, who's been accused of tax fraud. He's been accused of cheating. He's oh. uh, yeah. Had so much tea that I wasn't aware of. I know. I loved the tea. Also, some more tea. So, oh, yeah. I, so what? It's you know not really tea, but. Uh, I don't want us to become like this gossip thing, but, you know, it's quite nice to talk about. So when I found out about Paul Mescal, which was like a week ago watching um, After Sun, Mm -hmm. then after that, I realized that him and Phoebe Bridges were an item. I was like, oh, wow, they're an item. Fantastic. Yes, please. But then this week I've realized that maybe they're not an item anymore and maybe she's going out with Paul Burnham. Or maybe they're just modern young people and it's who wants I, to put I a was, label on anything? Who knows? Exactly. I don't know. But I was just like, I'm confused because I, I thought they were together and now I'm just like, what? But I, I don't know if it's... suspect they're still a thing. Like there was, there was even rumours they'd actually gotten married at one point. Yeah. I thought and they then were, obviously like... there's photos of her enjoying herself with Bo Burnham. So... That's the other thing. Can people of the opposite sex be friends? Of course they can. Yeah, but I thought there'd been like pictures of them doing a little smooch on the lips or something. Who, Bo Burnham and uh, Phoebe Bridges? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. But again, maybe that's just... Like, Phoebe maybe Bridges is a them. very modern lady, so I, I'm not too sure how much to read into it. And also, yeah. and again, I really don't know how much to read into this, other than that I am shaking with excitement, but The National, their PR machine turned itself on yesterday and pl- pasted a new video on their Instagram feed of the lead singer Matt Berninger. This will become clear why I've brought this up in a moment. The lead singer Matt Berninger sat at a piano uh, while a song, a snippet of a new song plays because they released a single last August and then they've been quiet since then um, for their forthcoming ninth album. Uh, In the video clip, he's sat, you see his back, you see him at the piano, you see him he's playing the piano, but no, he turns around in the stool and he's actually reading a copy of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And then it links you to a page on their um, website that's password protected. And the password people found out is, I think it's Evil Forebodings, which I'm assuming that might be the name of their album, which would be Mm. a lovely title. I like it. And if you put that title in, if you put that title in as the password, it unlocks a page on their website where, again, it plays you a little video with two new snippets of songs. And they both sound amazing, obviously, because of the national. Yeah. But also it 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 the video itself is just a static shot of two pages from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and it's done it's a it's a letter being sent to someone and the person the letter's being sent to so all of the text is from Mary Shelley's Frankenstein except they've cha- they've changed a, a couple of names throughout yeah. the letter the person the letter's being sent to in this case is Mrs Bridges. Oh. So I was like, oh, so is she married or are they just, is it just misses someone in the book and they're just putting a name on there? Also, does it matter? Who cares? I don't know. But anyway, oh. looks like Mrs. Bridges is going to be a guest on the new national album. Oh my God. Along with... She's your dream. She's going to be a guest in every album ever made. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's so good. Along with Uncle Sufjan, who I assume is Sufjan Stevens, who's got a lovely voice as well. And Taylor. 
Taylor. Taylor. Yeah. yeah. So um, love a little bit of Taylor. And the sing- the the single from last summer had Bon Iver on it. So we've got an album that's going to have Bon Iver, <gasps> Taylor Swift, Phoebe Bridges, oh. and Sophie and Stevens all. Oh my god. Shaking into your mingling. bonesicles. It's pretty exciting for me personally, mm. but never mind. That's good. So yeah, I don't know, but Phoebe Bridges, um, who knows? And then did she was on Chicken Shop Dates? So yes. maybe she's maybe did she's going out it? with her as well. I did watch it. Yeah, it was. Oh, I fine. love Chicken Shop Dates. I know you did. So she was bad. at the Golden Globes as well. Did you watch that? Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah, watch that. I love her. She was she's incredible. Cool. I she mean, was yeah. good. She was pretty good on the Taskmaster episode. She did. Yeah, um, she's so funny. Like she's such was, a weird um, kind of character. Self esteem was very very good on that um, on that episode of Taskmaster. Self esteem was nice. funny, but Mo Farah nice. uh, was was also funny. Yeah, it was good stuff. British humor, man. British humor. Everybody's funny in the UK. That's true. As it, yep. Yeah, Carol Vorderman was pretty funny. Yeah. And Greg James was funny, but he's also yeah. he's always decent. Okay. Flowers by uh, Did you know? Did you know that that apparently this is on some more tea? Um, Liam Hemsworth dedicated, uh, but I'm gonna buy you flowers by Bruno Mars to Miley. Did you know that? No. So do you know the song? I'm gonna buy you flowers and hold your hand. Shimmer and hour. Do you know the song? Oh, okay. What, do you not know Bruno Mars? No, I mean, no. Okay, but, so if you listen to Bruno Mars' song, she has rewritten things from that song. And uh, uh, I'm gonna buy my own flowers. So, yeah. Right. So, yeah. So, her and Liam Hemsworth no longer... Well, they've have no longer been friends for a long time. I thought they got back together, though, at one point. I thought they no, reunited. No, no, no. Oh, no, 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 they really united, yeah. Oh, okay. F- fine, that's fine. Cool, yeah. good. Yeah, today's like a gossip column here. Yeah, it is. Love it. Oh, oh, oh. Right. <laughs> Should we watch this music video? Of course. Okay, three, two, one, go. Okay, so we're in my Malibu. I don't know, we're somewhere. LA, I'm assuming, but maybe not. Yes. And uh, she's wearing this beautiful gold dress. Dress and scarf and hood and thing. Yes, it looks a bit like uh, one of those sculptures, you know, the in the yeah. the angel sculpture. I can't remember the name now. But she's looking gorgeous. And she's walking by herself, feeling herself, loving herself. And it's a nice, you know, her last album was an 80s rock extravaganza, right? And yeah. this is sort of back to something a bit more flowing yeah. and poppy and pleasant. Yeah. And it's, I guess it's an anthem to being, to self-love. Yeah, I think definitely self-love. Beautiful. She's uh, on the <laughs> She's swimming going for a in a swim. swimming pool. Yeah. Is this her house? Is this where she lives? Who knows? Probably not. That would be amazing. I would love to have a swimming pool. 
She's doing some exercises. Which is yeah, nice. there's a lot of there's a lot of training in this video. Yeah. And some some thrusting. <laughs> yeah. Some yoga. She's doing some yoga in a little bit. Oh yeah, she's doing. Yeah. She's got a bit of kind of elastic that she's trying to escape yes. from. She could get out <laughs> of that, I reckon. Yeah, she could escape that. Oh yeah. It's a very interesting video. It's like it's filmed in like a. What's it called? The sixteen. Is it sixteen? Oh yeah, it's like extreme widescreen, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I didn't. I didn't realize that when I watched it on my phone. It's only now on the computer I've seen that it's yeah. in this extreme aspect ratio. Now she's got a, a power suit on. Yes. Apparently, this is very much like uh, the Joker in uh, in the film The Joker. Ah, you know, when he's right. dancing up and down. Yeah. 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 Yeah, she's just kind of letting loose now, isn't she? She's got the yeah. moves. I like it. It's a nice video because she's completely by herself and just doing her thing. It doesn't feel like there's anybody filming her. It's just her. Yeah. Very intimate kind of portrayal of uh, Miley. Yeah. And the first time I heard the song, I was a bit like, oh, that's kind of a bit nothing but I don't know it's it's sinking in on a second listen it's very it's very easy listening yeah I like it's it catchy I like it actually yeah yeah very much yeah and she's powerful she's in power she is mighty yeah the camera's underneath her at the end there she's she's above us she's she's in charge yes well done Miley. check out check out the the Bruno Mars song Okay, well, what's that called? I think it's called I'm Gonna Buy You Flowers or something. I'm gonna type in Flowers, Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars, When I Was Your Man. When I Was Your Man? That's what Yes, When I Was Your Man, not a, yeah, When I Was Your Man. Alright, are we gonna watch a bit of this together? Yeah, or? if you want. Okay. Yeah. So I've got the, it's Bruno Mars, When I Was Your Man official music video. Maybe we can just go uh, to the chorus. I mean, if you wanna find the chorus and tell me the timestamp, that's. Okay. Fine. Because you know the song better than me. Because I don't know the song. Okay, 101. Okay, I'm at 101. Yeah. Ready to go? Yeah. Three, two, one, go. So said, uh, I can buy myself flowers. I can hold my own hand. And then she says, I can dance alone. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Bruno here is kind of assuming... I'll stop it there. Bruno's like, yeah. if she's not with me, then she's with someone else. It's yeah. the way a man thinks. Whereas Miley's like, no, I'm just me. Yeah. I'm with yeah. myself and that's fine. Yeah, yeah, well done, Miley. I don't know what it is about Bruno Mars. I can never really... He's, oh. written, he's written some catchy songs, but I just... I I really like his latest things, definitely. I think you should give him another go. Mm, mm, I'll I'll tell you which Bruno Mars song is my favorite. Up down, funk you up, up down, funk you up. No, be quiet. Uh, Obviously not. <laughs> be quiet, oi. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I'll send you the link to my favorite Bruno Mars song. Okay. It's amazing. You'll know it, obviously. Of course, I love Bruno. 
Okay. Do you want to play it together? Go on, let's just have a little bit of it. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Yeah, I like this this song. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Although, yeah. over the um, over the Christmas break, I was at home and I remembered briefly how much I liked this song, and yeah. I started playing it on my phone just to listen to it. My brother walked into the room, and he just said, "Why are you playing the police?" Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, ah, oh, yeah. It does sound sounds exactly like, the like the, even his vocals. He sounds like he's doing a sting impression, which is fine because yeah. the police are great. Yeah. But this has got one Love of the greatest it. choruses of all time. Here we go. Hang on. Let's just listen to this a little bit. I love yeah. this bit. Oh, oh, George is loving it. His eyes are closed. He's <laughs> bopping his head. <laughs> good stuff, man. Yeah, it is good. Yeah. But, but no, you can take it turn from and throw it in a big bin. Right, <laughs> let's stop. Cool. Um, Because nice. do you know why Uptown Funk sucks? Because Mark Ronson produced it. I don't understand why you hate Mark Ronson so much. Shut up, Mark Stop hating people. Stop stop being nice to people. It doesn't matter. They're all fine. Everybody's fine. Apart Mm, from, like, people that are really bad. Like, Like, we should just concentrate on people that are really bad. Like, Yeah, like, people people that bully waiters in restaurants. Uh, Stop. If what... When somebody gets your order wrong many times, sometimes you do waste... you, You do... Get a little bit angry. I don't. Everybody does. Not We're all at in the, the white lotus. Because you don't know what's going lotus. on in the kitchen. I know, but if it's the third time that you get it wrong, just let's let's start giving a little bit more love and less. To people, why? To people that are angry, why are you? That doesn't make s- literally doesn't make sense. <laughs> because maybe they need some love themselves. Well, if they what's can't the show video? it to other people, then they can. <laughs> they can do one <laughs> right next video yeah okay so next video oh i haven't seen this one at all wow so you... george sent me uh the new a24 ariasta film bo is afraid yeah um so am... you know you know who ariasta is of course ariasta yes hereditary midsummer hereditary um this one stars joaquin phoenix Joaquin! Joaquin Phoenix, which we can all be very excited about, along with um, Amy Ryan's in there, mm. uh, Richard Kind's in there. There's a lot of good actors in this thing. But, oh my good lord, I wonder what you're going to make of this trailer, because I cannot okay. even begin to understand what this movie's going to be. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Prepare yourself. Okay. Three, two, one, start. Okay, so we have Joaquin, yep. dishevelled on a beach. Yep. And then I think that's meant to be the young version of that character also ah, on the beach. Okay, he looks creepy. Yep, we've got a lady talking about how much she wanted a child. We've got a creepy thing happening. And then we're back to Bo. And Joaquin. Oh. Where's He's visiting his mother. He's coming to his mother. Mm. And he's taking some drugs. He's taking some prescription pills. Yep. 
He does not look like a happy man. No, he looks like he's afraid. Yeah. Oh, he's not at the airport. No. No. Okay, so... So... Oh! I think... He's really having anxiety about leaving the house. Mm. <laughs> he got hit by a car, yes, driven by Amy Ryan. Nathan Lane now appears to have made him a prisoner. Yeah. And the music is really uplifting, so it's very weird. Yeah. Oh my god, he's just run through a window. Yeah. Is Bo really afraid? I wouldn't run for a window. <laughs> and now Bo is in a cartoon. Yep, he's oh, in some kind of, of animation. Wow. Your adventures will continue and for years and years. Oh, this is going to be such a heck a fuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <already. laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, from his greatest fears comes the greatest adventure. So he's just a guy that's scared and he's going on an adventure. Maybe a trip? Well, I think he's trying to s get home to see his mother, maybe, but... I, I yeah, but maybe he's got some kind of, like, you know, issues of being outdoors. Maybe some agoraphobia, is, is, do you is think? That, yeah, what's that? Um, Bo's Afraid. Bo's Afraid. And I don't know how relevant it is, but the original title for this movie was Disappointment Boulevard, so I just don't know what it's going to be, but I think it looks... It looks you know, interesting. Yeah. I definitely would like to watch it, but it's going to be not good for the brain. Not good for the brain, indeed. <laughs> but I'm excited. What do you reckon, then? Yeah. Are you going to watch that film? Yeah, Definitely. I just oh, it looks so good. I love that song as in the track. I need to find out what song that is as well because that looks really good. That song's yeah. really good. Um, and it's got animation in it. It properly looks like a surreal. It reminds me a little bit, and I might be the only person in the world that thinks this. Of it, there's a Japanese movie called House from the seventies, mm. which mixes animation with live action, and it's it's basically this 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 Japanese director was told to make the Jap the equivalent of Jaws to be a huge Hollywood blockbuster type movie, and he ended up making okay. this absolutely bonkers film about a group of schoolgirls staying in a haunted house together. I love yeah. it; it's such a good film. But it it um, it's it mixes animation and live action and feels surreal. I I'm Ari Aster must have seen the film House, um, because I get the the vibes of that from this trailer. I'm excited. <laughs> anyway. I've got a film, you might have seen this trailer, you probably have, but it's it's a trailer for a new movie by one of your favourite directors, so I figured if you ha if it happens to be that you haven't seen it, no. we should watch it. I haven't seen any trailers recently, so... Well, this I trailer, I don't think it's new, but it was on in the cinema yesterday before Ennis Main, so... Broker? Yeah. Adrid just sent me a trailer for a film called Broker, neon film. Do you know it? There's a red... No. Oh, okay, interesting. Right, well then, let's, let's watch it and you can see what you think of it. You ready? Oh! Oh, is it by uh, Hirokazu Koreeda? Yes. Ah, okay. I've heard of it, but I haven't seen the film, the trailer. Okay, cool. Right, are you ready to go? Yeah. Okay, three, two, one, go. Okay. Oh, it's in, set in Korea. 
Yeah. Ah, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it he's, stars. He's, he's, He's traveling the world, you know. He did the French one, yeah. the Asian Korean one, yeah. And it and stars the guy from Parasite, Song Kang Ho. Yes. Oh, that's interesting to have like a Japanese director directing a Korean film. I thought so. Not. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's about a family, of course, because he loves family dynamics and. Well, yeah. And. Uh, Oh. But it's it's fascinating because I I was watching the trailer in the cinema and I was like, what is this film? It popped up and I was like, it looks like a Korean movie. And then it said Korean yeah. and I was like, oh, is it Japanese? And then and then it said yeah. from the studio, but you're Parasite. And I was like, and oh, no, that's definitely the guy from Parasite. Yeah. So yeah, he's just he's just moving around the world and it's a cool. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. There's the sea. He loves the sea. And he loves family. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited about this. But I think it's got a bit of a darkness to it. Cause I, is it about? Is he? Does he? Is he steal stolen a child and he's going to sell it to? Is it? Is it sort of child? I I don't know. I wasn't reading the. Well, because the, <laughs> the film's the film's called Broker, so I think it's. Yeah. You know, as in a broke like a bro broker's deals. Mm. And there's yeah. a bit. There's definitely a. There's some police at one point. It looks it yeah. looks like it's got a bit more a bit like shoplifters maybe it's not just a slice of life I think it's got a bit more intrigue to it or Definitely. his his uh, what was that he did that movie that we what that you made me watch that was like a mystery murder oh, the murder the mystery. last the third murder that was it yeah oh amazing yeah yeah so I'll definitely be watching that that looks yeah. good yeah looks amazing. I have one more trailer if you want to watch it, but we don't need to watch it. The new trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. What do you think? I've seen that one. Oh, have you? I'm it's so excited. So... Yeah? Yeah, we won't I watch think it, it looks then, incredible. It, does it looks look so good. I watched it at the cinema when, uh, in Japan when I went to see the menu. Ah, so you haven't seen this trailer because it came out this week. It's the new trailer. Ah, it's a new trailer. Okay, yeah, let's yeah. watch it. Okay. Uh, let me get it up. Because they've said, Marvel have been saying this week that this movie is going to be, for this phase of the MCU, it's going to make as big a difference as like Civil War did. It's going to wow. completely change what the what the Marvel Universe is about. So I'm excited for this film. It's out soon. It's out next month. It's out in like a month. Okay. okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Five, four. I don't normally start at five. <laughs> what am I doing? No, we never. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Okay. Shot of San Francisco, obviously. Yeah. Kang is talking to us now. Yes. You have a daughter. Kang, of course, destined to be a big deal in the MCU. Catherine Newton yes. playing playing Cassie Lang in this film, a new actress. Um, yes. And normally recastings are annoying, but I really like Catherine Newton, so I'll go with it. And they're going into a different dimension. The quantum realm. Yes. Because we met Kang in Loki, didn't we? Yes, but he wasn't Kang then. He was the man from another place. Yeah. But he was like a version of Kang. This is this yeah. is a new... This is more like the, the Kang from the comic books, I think. This Kang. Okay. Wow. Um, it just looks in insane. It just... 
second chance. So it seems to this movie seems like it's going to be all about Scott Lang attempting to go back so he can have more time with his daughter because obviously he lost five years because of Thanos. Yeah. And maybe he should not do that. Probably. No, no. It's it's been proven that going back in time is not a good idea. Yeah. So like, Scott Scott Lang making some big mistakes in this. Yeah. Do you think Scott Lang is the end for Scott Lang? Oh, I hope not. I don't know. Might no. be. No. It looks pretty tragic. Modok, brief uh, shot of Modok there. Very exciting character from the comics that I like. Yeah. But it isn't because oh. Kang is a character that... Kang is one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel world. So, like, Ant-Man on his own probably can't defeat Kang. So I don't quite know where this movie's going to go. Mm. But it's out soon. Don't you miss sometimes, uh, you know, Iron Man? No, I don't like Iron Man, so... <laughs> I, I don't miss Iron Man. Okay. Iron Man's rubbish. Um... <laughs> Because he's rude to waiters in restaurants. He's the kind of man who would be rude to a waiter in restaurants. Oh, stop like doing that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, this week we are talking about HBO's The White Lotus, which is um, the second season of Mike White's pretty astonishingly brilliant satire on rich uh, white people, I guess. Yeah. Um, First season was set in Hawaii. We did two episodes on it last year. It's great. This season is set in Sicily, in Italy. In Sicilia. Exactly. Um, and is therefore quite different and has a very different tone. And uh, we're going to talk through what we thought was good about this season of The White Lotus, which just had a pretty good week at the Golden Globes in America. Yeah. Uh, in particular, Jennifer Coolidge getting oh. a well-deserved win. Um, Did you see the her speech? I saw parts of her speech. Annoyingly, they don't put the speeches up on YouTube and stuff, so I couldn't really find it. But I saw, oh, okay. I saw some of it, and it was very funny and then very heartfelt about Mike White, which was nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, that was that was wonderful to see. Although Aubrey Plaza, I hope she deserves everything. So I hope she gets an Emmy or something. Anyway, um, it's got a banging theme tune. So to get yes. us in the mood, let's watch a bit of that. Because the first season had a good theme tune, but the second season... Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. So. When I first... You know, you're always worried about the second season not being as good. And so it starts from the theme theme tune. And I was like, what? Why is it so boring? And then it just <laughs> blew my mind. Exactly. Okay. All right. I'm ready. Three, two, one, go. Yeah. And, you know, there's these paintings, you're like, oh, fantastic. But then it's like, oh, why is it bland? Yeah. I don't need this. Interesting that um, F. Murray Abraham gets top billing. I suppose because he's an Oscar winner, so he sort of yeah, comes maybe. first. But then, like, in terms of this show, his character isn't one of the most important characters. Mm. Do you think it goes in uh, age uh... from the eldest <laughs> No, because Michael Imperioli was just... He's quite old and he comes in. Yeah. Later. Oh, this is when it starts. It's just like, it changes. 
Oh, okay, we're going back to the first season. Yeah, mm. I'm, I'm happy about this. <laughs> but then it, 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 it picks up when you see the sort of coast scene. Hang on. Yeah, we're nearly there. We're nearly there. I can't wait. Here, this is There's where it kicks fire. in. Yeah, now. Yeah. Oh, the goat, what are those goats doing? <laughs> what's that man doing to that pig? Oh, what's going on? It's all gone horrible. That swan shouldn't be there. Tits. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And then there is some white lotus kind of, uh, you know, the from the first season. Some um, um, references to the first season. Mm. So good. Love it. So good. So... Season two let's of the talk White about Lotus. this show let's that has the... taken the world by storm. Yes, let's start with the characters. Yes. So let's start with our returning character, Tonya McQuaid, or yes. now Tonya McQuaid Hunt. Yeah. Played by Jennifer Coolidge, because between seasons she has married Greg, who she met in the first season. Yes. Um, and he was dying, but weirdly still alive. Hmm. Because maybe he's a liar. <laughs> yeah, maybe he is a liar. Bad bloke, potentially. So, he's um, a bad bloke from the first season. I didn't particularly like him in the first season. No, he wasn't very likable, but he showed her some. She was at a very vulnerable point in her life, wasn't she? Yeah. He showed her some affection. So, sadly, he got in there. Um, and also this season, joining Tonya and Greg to Greg's upset annoyance is Portia. Yes. Tanya's assistant. Uh, played by Haley Lou Richardson. Um, yes. So, what did you think of what did you think of Tonya? What did you think of Portia? Let's not bother with Greg too much because he's not in much of it, and I hate him. No, no. So Tanya is back, and she seems a bit uh, unhinged in a way. She needs Portia to be her assistant. Like mm. she needs this person. So that means that she probably has needed some help throughout her marriage with uh, Greg. Yeah, because Greg sucks. Because things and. Yeah, because things don't seem to be very good. And also, Tanya and Portia arrive arrive after Greg arrives. So Greg is already in Sicily, and that's weird. Yeah, it is it? weird. What's he, been, it? what's he been doing before she arrived? We don't know. No. We have no idea. Mm, we can and, make some guesses uh, now, though. Yeah, and he's really angry that Portia's there. So it's already a little bit like their situation is not great. And... Um, What's well, interesting because be, let's yeah. say this is good, this is a full spoiler for the whole season. Yeah. Right. So we're spoiling everything. Early on in that first episode, when Greg seems really annoyed that Porsche's there, it seems like it's just because Greg is controlling and an arsehole. Yeah. Having watched the whole season, you realize that Greg's annoyed that Porsche's there because that throws a spanner in the works for yeah. his his plan to have Tonya killed. Yeah. So by he, his lover, yeah, by his, uh, by his uh, lover, um, Quentin. No. Yeah, yeah, Quentin, played by Tom Hollander, yeah. um, who is a, a a wealthy gay English expat, uh, traveling living in Sicily with his nephew Jack. <laughs> his nephew. Yeah, you don't yeah. do that with your nephew. Played by no. Leah Woodall, uh, who is from Essex. 
And hearing a strong Essex accent is a weird thing in this show. And Mike White must have done some research because it's very accurate. Um, the whole yeah. characterization of Jack is very accurate as like yeah. the kind of irritating Englishman that you see uh, when you go on holiday. Um, so yeah, so yes. like the ultimate plot but- here is to have Tonya killed by Quentin and, and this gang of kind of light mafioso types. Yeah. And Porsche's and- arrival with Tonya obviously affects that. Yeah. But also knowing Portia, like seeing her from the beginning, she I don't think she would do anything to save Tanya. <laughs> well, she's just sort of uh, aimless, isn't she? Until the end, I really kind of disliked her as a character. Oh, really? Not disliked her, but I just wanted her to be a little bit... I don't know, like, she's so unpurposed. She just be more reactive, but it's it's normal to be like that at that age and even yeah. at my age and at our age. But I just felt like she she was looking for something, but then wanting something else. And I was just like, come on, just. Yeah, true, true. But she's in a weird. I mean, she's in a weird place because she's working for a lunatic. So yeah, it must because yeah. like there's yeah. there's a scene in this where she gets made to sit in a room silently while her boss sleeps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. But um, towards the end, I like her more. Like, I think she also wants to help Tanya. Hmm. And she wants to, like, you know, change things and react to stuff. And so I start liking her a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually, she was one of my favourites throughout the season, Portia. I, I liked that character. I thought I thought that Hayley Lou Richardson did a good job. Oh, um, she's great in it. She's yeah. really good. She's really good at portraying her. Mm. Um, yeah, and like what I what I found interesting, the clothes in this series was were really important to kind of characterize as well the, yeah. the mood of the characters. And she dressed like a her her dress was so eclectic. You know, sometimes she looked like a young boy, and sometimes she looked like super cute in when she goes out in. Um, I don't know where they are when she goes out with the uh, uh, in in on a night out and she has this gorgeous kind of duo and she's what, what's the sort of big capital city of Sicily is it Pomona? no Palermo where they Palermo, Palermo. Oh, they're yeah. In Palermo. yeah yeah and she looks gorgeous and you know and she's kind of like that shows her kind of being a little bit all over the place and, yeah uh, yeah so what did you think and of the fact Quint- that she liked the Essex boy I was like oh just why do you like him I think that's the thing that frustrated me the most like don't like that guy He's well let's let's horrendous. talk about Quentin and Jack what did you make of Quentin and Jack because I always get very excited when <coughs> I see Tom Hollander's name appear in a credits list because I really <coughs> I'm a big fan of Tom Hollander yeah in this he plays Quentin a character that doesn't turn up until I think the fourth episode maybe mm, yeah um who is there we find out we all know now he's there to draw in Tonya take her away to Palermo and um, yeah. get her in, get her engaged in some illicit stuff. But did you have any inclination that that was happening? No. No, it's so crazy. Like, they, co- they call them the gays. This group of gays keep staring at Tanya. She feels incredible because they love her and they're rich as well. So they're not, there's no, you know, they don't need anything. They treat her like a princess. You know, they invite her and it's until like, pretty much towards the end you then realize oh they want to they yeah. want to get rid like they want to get rid of her so uh i love that i love the fact that tanya had a great time with the gays because mm. they have a great time yeah she really has a good time until she dies 
Yeah, well, until she kills everyone and then dies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then happening at the same time, in parallel with that, they set um, Quentin's nephew, they tell him. They tell yeah. everyone, but not nephew. Um, Jack. Young lover. Yeah, young lover. They set Jack off to distract Portia by sweeping yeah. her off her feet with his easy Essex charm. And, oh, my um, God. <laughs> and that's sad, in a way, because up to that point, Portia has been connecting quite well with Albie. Yeah. Albie, the youngest of the three de Grassos, another de Grassos. important set of characters. Oh. Uh, Italian-Americans, your favourite type of American. Um, like, just the first thing you go to Sis. You've never been to Italy. You go to Sicily to find your roots. It's like what roots? You've, you've never been there. That scene was like so amazing when they because they go to Sicily because they want to find their roots, but they stay in a like no star resort because I think that's the resort is like for the super rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't yeah, even yeah. stay with the plebs. Yeah, <laughs> you no, know. No. <laughs> so in the DeGrasso family we've got we'll talk about that scene more later because it'll pop up yeah. in something we're going to do um, we've got Bert DeGrasso played yeah. by F. Murray Abraham uh, the elderly grandfather who wants to think that he's above the rest the behaviour of the others but he's not um, yeah. F. Murray Abraham obviously the great actor from um, Amadeus and yeah. hundreds of other things Wes Anderson projects more recently he's great um, Michael Imperioli from The Sopranos, iconically yeah. played Chris uh, in that. Christopher, um, as the father, who is Dominic DeGrasso, a Hollywood producer. Yeah. Um, and then his son, Albie, played by Adam DiMarco, um, as the slightly naive, socially awkward Stanford graduate. The three of them have yeah. gone to the White Lotus, as you said, to discover their roots, to find their <laughs> Italian heritage. They are, yeah. they, no, there are no women with them, and we find out quite quickly this is because um, Albie's mother has finally decided that she's had enough of Dominic and his uh, sex addict ways. Sexcapades. Yeah, his sexcapades. <laughs> um, and Dominic is at the same time deeply upset that he's lost his wife, but equally is not able to arrive at a beautiful resort in Sicily and not immediately hire um a sex worker she he hired them before they arrived before they even arrived like on facebook or something he hired a sex worker to be in his hotel room for the entire week bear in mind he's gone on this holiday with his father and son yeah yeah Yeah. good man a good man that dominic de crasso yeah um these are totally new characters for this season of the white lotus what did you make of them uh, interesting. It's an interesting uh, take on uh, different kinds of uh, man. The old, the very old man that there was no problem and you could say anything. Mm. The His son, who is a bit, you know, loose and blames his father for all his wrongdoing with women mm-hmm. and still doesn't respect. But does he respect? I don't know. He still has a weird idea about women and marriage and stuff. And then, you know, the young kid that's trying to figure out what it is exactly to a way to be respectful to women mm-hmm. but also failing but not failing you know trying to navigate this way yeah. of uh I'll tell you this though about Dominic DeGrasso as a very very mm-hmm. light defense of the man he treats yeah. Mia far better than Cameron does later 
Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. He treats those girls really well. Yeah. Really well. But is yeah, it because he ha- a... is it because he hates himself in a very deep way? Yeah, yeah. And also like Cameron and Dominic are two completely different entities of man, you know. Mm. And uh, I think I think Dominic uses women by in a very old school way, not defending him on anything, but still with a sum of respect. And Cameron seems to be more like, you're an object and I'm going to utilize you. Yeah. And then, you know, that kind of thing, kind of a game, more gamey kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got our returning character in Tanya. We've got the characters that you have to have if you're making a White Lotus set in Italy, which is you Italian Americans discovering their heritage roots. <laughs> God. Our third yeah. set of guests that we follow throughout the season is the essential element of any season of the White Lotus, I think. The young, rich white people who are just there to have fun. Yes. In the first season, you had Alexandra Daddario and her husband and all yeah. that came from that. Yeah. In this season, we've got two sets of couples who are on a holiday together. The first set is da, 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 Will Sharp, mm-hmm. uh, British actor-director, um, plays Ethan Spiller, uh, who is a newly rich tech entrepreneur. Yeah. And he's there with his wife, Harper, played by Aubrey Plaza, who is a lawyer mm-hmm. of the type that uh, they love to have in movies. She wants to do good, and she doesn't care yeah. about earning lots of money. But she's found yeah. herself suddenly in the world of the super-rich um, due to the sudden success of Ethan. Uh, and they're on holiday with Ethan's college friend, Cameron, played by Theo James, who is an investment yeah. manager, married to Daphne, played by Megan Fahey, who starts off seeming very sweet, but then as the series goes on, She's you realise that she <laughs> knows exactly what's going on all yeah, the time. she knows everything. Ah, oh, she's just... Yeah. Hmm. So what do you think of these characters? Oh, well, it was interesting because like when they arrived on the boat, Harper and Ethan looked like this kind of couple that has, you know, has established itself and they just don't even, you know, they don't even seem like a couple anymore. They're just like these two people that are together. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, Daphne and Cameron are these like loved up couple that like, you know, super kind of, and there's definitely uh, a divider between them. And mm. then, you know, they're very different couples. You know, one couple start, you know, Ethan and Harper, you know, read the paper and they know everything. And they're super, uh, you know, with the people. And Daphne and Cameron, they're like, they don't read the paper. They don't care. They spend money. And they're just, they just they just couldn't be the most different people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but then they mm-hmm. kind of, you kind of like get to know them better and things change and um harper hates cameron straight away he gets naked in their room like and and ethan doesn't even believe her like ethan is is the the more you get to know the these couples the more you're like what is going on and that's why i liked daphne at the end because i think she's the only one that had everything she knew exactly what was going on and if anything was happening it was like well i'll sort it out my way and that's why I liked her because she she was the one that had control of everything. Whilst Ethan and Harper, you know, going this crazy, oh, you did this and you did that. You know, Cameron finds a ca- well, you know, lots of things happen. You know, Cameron cheats on. 
Daphne with the two sex workers and then Ethan doesn't do anything but doesn't even tell Harper and then that starts a gaslighting thing between them Mm -hmm. and they both kind of gaslight each other Mm -hmm. and it's so toxic Mm -hmm. and then you realise that maybe the better couple are Cameron and Daphne where they do what the hell they want they don't really lie anything and Daphne has the money, has the children, has the house, and she's in she's she's in control of everything. You 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 kind of because at the beginning you think our oh, Harper and Ethan are the the right couple, but then I think the things shifts a little bit. I guess the wise. Go on. Sorry, but although I don't think Daphne and Cameron are the perfect couple, my my like the the ones I liked kind of changed. It changed the one. Interesting. I guess the way I saw it is that I didn't like either couple. And like Daphne is in con- tells herself she's in control and behaves in a way where she's in control, but I don't I can't I can't imagine that you could live a life like that and not be corrupted by it and be deep down deeply sad at the state of what you're living in. Cause she's but if, if your happiness is going to resorts any time you want and, you know, having clothes, if that's your happiness, well, that's, she having, has everything. Having to play those games with your husband of like, yeah. like the, the big episode for that, for those characters is where um, Daphne takes Harper away to, is it, is it called Noto? Nodo? Yeah, to Noto, yeah. To Noto, um, yeah. which kept confusing me because uh, there was a place in Japan called Noto. Yeah, called Noto, yeah. <laughs> Same. I was like, what? I didn't realise there was an auto in yeah, Italy. Um, so she, they went off there and she had booked she had booked this incredibly expensive villa for her and Harper to yeah. stay in, but didn't tell Harper. And yeah. then Harper effectively felt she was kidnapped. And that's the moment where Cameron, as soon as Daphne's left, Cameron's like, right, let's get sexy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, although one of my favourite moments of the season is Daphne, where her and... Harper, it's later on in the season, they're sort of talking on the beach about, without mentioning it explicitly, they're sort of talking about Harper's saying, I think they cheated on us while we were away. Yeah. And without saying it explicitly, Daphne makes it clear to Harper that she knows, doesn't care, and is in control and has her own things going on. And she says, do you want to see a photo of my personal trainer? And describes him as beautiful and blonde and young. And then shows Harper a photo that's actually of her children and you see quite clearly her children are blonde. Yeah. And I think I think that Daphne is making it pretty clear to Harper there mm. kind of what she's doing with her personal trainer and what the outcome yeah. of that has been without really saying anything. I thought that was quite a, a clever little moment of plot yeah. that worked that worked really well. Yeah, so that's the that's the um the awful couples, and finally let's get into the locals. In the first season, the main local was the hotel manager, but in this season, yeah. as as wonderful as um, and I'm not even sure if I've got her on my list. Oh yeah, Valentina is the manager of the White Lotus in Sicily, Love played Valentina. by Sabrina Impacciatore. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, yeah. but the main locals we spend time with in this season are Mia and Lucia. Yeah. Um, Lucia. Lucia, sorry. Chi. Okay. Um, <laughs> Mia, played by Beatrice Grano. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and she is a singer, basically. She wants to be a singer. She is not yeah. a sex worker at the start of the season. At least, you know, no. she doesn't want to be. And then Lucia, played by Simona Tabasco, 
is mm-hmm. the local sex worker that Dominic yep. DeGrasso has hired prior hired. to their arrival, who will then go on throughout the season to get involved with the stories of just about every set of characters yep. going. Um, and notably, in the very first episode, we see her behave in a very friendly manner towards Rocco, who she later tells Albie is her pimp. Pimp. But pretty... but it's like she hasn't got a pimp. No. Like she, she like I never thought she had a pimp. She is was... playing a very clever game right from the yeah. beginning. Um yeah. what do you think of Mia and Lucia? I absolutely adored them. Yeah. Like I think they are they added something incredible to this season mm-hmm. and uh Lucia first goes with um uh the digrasso, the middle digrasso. And mm-hmm. then uh, he feels bad about, you know, going with sex workers. Uh, so uh, he stops. But he's still, he still, very, he's still very generous. Mm-hmm. He, they can, like, spend anything they want uh, on his room. And then they, uh, she pursues Cameron mm-hmm. the night that uh, Daphne and Harper go to Noto. And that was a different side of, like, sex work in the, the fact that Cameron doesn't give her the money. And that was really upsetting because, like, mm-hmm. you know, you owe her money, like, the entire night. And then and then she gets with, you know, Albie. And Albie doesn't know that she is a sex worker or does, does he, but probably not. And then she plays that amazingly, doesn't she? And well, in a yeah. way, did you, did you think she liked Albie a little bit? Um, I don't know, because, like, in the middle of the season when she's pursuing Albie, there's a scene where she's on the beach with Albie kind of flirting with him and getting to know him. Yeah. And Mia, who has been very re- reluctant to get involved in the sex work up to that point in the season, yeah. but has become more and more sort of open to it. There's a, this yeah. point, At this point in the season, Mia is attempting to seduce and sleep with Giuseppe, <laughs> the, pia- the, oh. the pianist of the hotel, in the an grossest. attempt to get a foot up in the world of singing that she wants yeah. to be involved in. Yeah. He can't perform. No. She needs a pill that will allow him to perform. Mm. She knows that Lucia has this pill, but Lucia has mm. a lot of pills in her bag. So she's gone mm. down to the beach to attempt to... And throughout this whole bit, it, it felt like Lucia was sort of like realising she'd created a monster almost in Mia because Mia suddenly was like, I'll do it to get anywhere. I'll, I'll, suddenly she realises like, I can have sex with men and, and get whatever I want out of it. And yeah. it's fine. And Mia's trying to act at this... Lucia, sorry, is trying to act at this point like she's having doubts about the whole thing. And it almost flips... Yeah. And you start to feel yeah. like, oh, does she want to get out of it? And she just wants to be with Albie. And, yeah. and she seems really annoyed at Mia when she comes down to the beach. Asking, but I think she's actually, looking back on it, knowing what we know by the end, she's annoyed at Mia because she's in the middle of her bit. She's in the yeah. middle of, and she's like, don't come and distract me with talk of pills and things. I'm trying to, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to get here with Albie and do my thing. So I don't mm. know if she did like him, especially... She plays him for a moron by the, in the final episode, and then yeah. one of the final shots of the season. We'll talk about it in a minute. Makes it. I don't know. My the clarity I get from that scene at the very end is that no, she didn't have any strong feelings for Albie because Albie is as terrible as the rest of them, really. Uh, yeah, and yes and no. Like I feel like Albie has still t- has got time to learn. I think. Yeah, he has got because I think to the learn. last shot when he goes, well, I think I've been played. He's not bitter. I and think he he's... doesn't go, I, I hate all women now because I've been played. I think he knew oh. that there was a chance of being played. Yeah. 
he's definitely earned I... some wisdom by the end. Yeah. Um, the yeah. wisdom that his father had And he had a great earned. time. Like, yeah. he had a great time. Like, he did. Lu- Lucia is beautiful and great and seems to be incredible. And he, she made him feel like he was liked. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she was amazing. So, that's our characters. I've got oh, a... and yeah, Mia, Mia's amazing. Mia's wonder. I loved, I loved, I was a big fan of Mia. Those are all our major characters. There's yeah. loads of, di- it's hard to like go for the plot of the White Lotus because like, so, like that Harper and Aubrey, no, sorry, Harper and Ethan and them, they almost don't have an end to their story. It's just like you're dipping into their life and there's no real conclusion by the end. The main conclusion no. comes from Tonya, sadly, dying. No. I know. That was, I just really didn't want her to die. I don't, I know we couldn't have another Tanya, but ah, oh. so and I feel I like agree. she became better. I don't know, but yeah, sorry. So rather than go through like an episode by episode synopsis or anything like that, I found a couple of lists that have ranked some moments from the White Lotus, and I'm going to go through them with you, and you can tell me your thoughts on these individual bits of this of the season. Is that okay? Yeah. So first of all, from MovieWeb.com, we've got the White Lotus best season two moments ranked, and they've got they've picked out six moments from the show that they thought were the best. So you can tell me. How you feel about this? In at number six, Bert and the DeGrasso's big family reunion fail. <laughs> I was just, is uh, they finally like after lounging around for almost a full week, they finally wake yeah. up one day and go, ah, oh, maybe today should be the day we go actually yeah. out into Sicily and look for our heritage. They yeah. take Lucia with them. By the time they find their family, however, Lucia's left due to her own game yeah. she's playing with a fake pimp. Um, yeah. So these three loud Americans who can't speak Italian no. arrive at this they little... They can't speak... Like, you could have just <laughs> learned a couple of words of Italian, no? Nope. I mean, you know, Bert is in his 80s and he hasn't ever bothered to learn any Italian, but he feels very strongly about his Italian heritage. Yeah. Um... They finally arrive at this little house in the middle of uh, Sicily and are uh, just chased away by a group of furious women. How did you yeah. feel about this scene? How dare you come You come to my house and you don't speak my language and you expect us to be have a family reunion. Like, I find that so bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even do a phone call. You don't even research well, anything. Well, that's the thing, just, is that, like, I don't, I don't just, see a problem with, like, researching your family history, and if it happens to be that you came from another country, looking back there is, is all right to me, but the fact that they, the way they go about it to just, like, turn up in Sicily and then just rock up at a house without any warning is madness, especially yeah, with the resources that they have available to them. They could have done plenty of research before they left. Yeah. They could have got in yeah. touch with people before they left. Yeah. They could have yeah. tested the waters to see if, if they do have any family over there still, yeah. if they were receptive to them, rather than just rock up and... Yeah. Number five, yeah. Harper leaving the evidence for Will for Ethan to find in the bathroom. I... You find a condom wrapper and you straight away say, what the hell is this? No, you don't. You, don't you, spend, just, like... you spend 24 hours just staring at it. <laughs> yeah, thinking. she just spent the entire time waiting for him to say something. So she's playing games too, like, mm-hmm. and she instead of going, "What is this?" Because apparently they told each other the truth all the time. Also, I don't know. Somewhat, Ethan didn't tell her straight away. Because Ethan, I like Harper's not a great person, but I Ethan is un irredeemably awful. I really don't like he, him. Ethan is a terrible human, like yeah. terrible. Yeah, and uh, and that 
dynamic that power that dynamic between that couple especially do, after they went to Noto and they, uh, the Harper found the condom mm. the condom wrapper it's just like why you're supposed to be adults you find a condom wrapper and say what the hell is this and then everything is explained instead of waiting 24 hours finding a condom it's just and then because Ethan weird. didn't tell her anyway, when the explanation does come, she doesn't believe it because it doesn't. Yeah. Like, why would he have not told yeah. her if it was that innocent? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, and then when she maybe does something, he goes crazy. He goes absolutely. Oh, he insane. loses his mind because he exactly. can't bear so to be on the other side of Exactly. You've done the same thing. Yeah. <sighs> oh, Mike White is incredible, isn't he? Like he's just so amazing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah. Mm-hmm. In at number four, we've got, uh, they've mm. called this the best things in life are free, and what they're talking about is the final sequence of Lucia and Mia strolling through the streets of uh, the whatever village. Where's, where is the actual White Lotus? Because it's not... I have no idea. No, strolling through the seats of a Sicilian town without yeah. a care in the world, 10,000 euros or whatever in their back pockets. Because yeah. um, of all no, the... it's like 50,000, like 50,000 yeah, euros. Yeah, it's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, because for all the mayhem and murder and etc. that's befallen the guests of the White Lotus in that week, uh, Mia and Lucia come out smelling of roses and have Amazing. played everyone for everything they could get. Yeah, and yeah. it's they both won. Yeah, they won. It's nice to see a winner at the end of the White Lotus, and yeah. I like it, and they deserve it. I like Mia and Lucia. Yeah, yeah. good couple of people. Definitely. Although, I will judge. Um, <laughs> um, Mia a little bit for giving that pianist guy just whatever pills she found and not having him. She could have killed him. But I, I, I'm not going to say how I feel about she could have killed him. He, he, he deserved to be. Uh, he deserved. He deserved. He deserved to be hospitalised. But like not murdered. Like it was pretty. No, it was very. But he was a. He was horrible. He was. He is he awful. Is he shouldn't horrible. be. He shouldn't have any kind of a job. But um. No. Just he's a human being still. Don't murder him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I'm glad about that. Uh, number three, Valentina's coming out party. What did you think of this scene? I love that. I think it was so natural and so beautiful and so like that's how it had to be. And she didn't make him, her feel bad about it or weird about it. And Valentina's like one of the most awkward humans you could find. Like she's really strong in her job, but when it comes to like people, she's just very kind of. Yeah, because early on the um, I can't remember the name of the like receptionist that she yeah. is friendly with, but this receptionist comes up to Valentina and is like, "I really respect you. I really like you." And yeah. and Valentina's just because she's so buttoned up and doesn't know how to yeah. almost live in in this body that she's in. She almost sees it as a as a de- declaration of love, and she falls in love with this yeah. woman very quickly, and yeah. um, inadvertently. S- removes her fiance from her and and um yeah it's just that the way that plays out is heartbreaking yeah and when she is able to finally be herself with um mia for an evening yeah it's, um it is and i love the moment. fact when mia says to her you know i'm not really into girls but i can find you some girls that are could be you could be happy with like valentina doesn't is happy about that. Like mm. she's happy that she's found Mia, and I think, and she's happy that Mia is the pianist now, probably because you know the other guy was terrible. Yeah, and Mia's actually good. Yeah, Mia's a ama- Mia's singing is incredible. Yeah, I like those. Amazing. Um, yeah. Moment number two is 
they've described as Daphne facing the truth. And I'll just read out the start of this paragraph. When Ethan tells Daphne about his suspicions of Cam and Harper, Fahey delivers an, an absolutely stunning 25 seconds of acting. The moment she hears what Ethan says, viewers watch her silently speed run through an emotional gauntlet. Her shocked sadness yeah. leaps to stinging ache before giving way to an almost matter-of-fact yeah. regret. Without a word, her face tells us this is not the first time she's felt this way, and she's resigned to accept that it won't be the last. Then, as she turns to look yeah. out at the sea and then the resort, it's as if every fibre of her being is quickly reconstructing all the psycho-emotional defence mechanisms she keeps fortified in place so as not to not crumble under the weight of what her life is. It's powerful to witness, and Fahi is an exceptional talent. The ensuing stroll to is as Isola Bella with Ethan is just the icing on the cake. Yeah, because she takes him off to uh to another island, mm. but we don't know we don't know what happens. I love that moment when they're the moment where she looks into the sea because she's crushed, and then she goes she looks into the sea and she assesses everything and what is important to her, and then she goes let's go for a walk, mm. and he follows, and he's just like. Ethan, you're a dick. But I, <laughs> <laughs> but I like Daphne because I think, like you know, I at the big the how I she changed for me is just like the beginning. I was like, who's this person? But that's how she deals with things, and that's yeah. what. And I don't think her, I've ever seen Megan Fahey in anything else. Oh, she's amazing, and she's she is very very good in this season, and yeah. that final, and yeah, I like that they don't really show us what happens at the end of that walk. We don't need to see no. it. It's just because we don't know what if anything happened between Harper and Cameron. We don't yeah. really know, yeah, and we don't really know if anything happened between Ethan and Daphne. But, so I like that. But they don't know either, but that's uh, what we know is what they know, and that's enough to sow the seeds of yeah. mayhem amongst the group. Yeah, it's yeah pretty great. Um. And then what they've got as the best moment is Tanya doing Tanya things right till the end, which is, um, yeah, pretty great. The way she's desperately trying to um, find a way to jump off the yacht onto that boat, and then just... why did she jump? Like that's that's a Titanic moment. To... Without somebody, in... that's a Titanic moment. You know, <laughs> yeah. when it's like, could Jack stay on the on the door? Could Tanya be saved? Yes, she could have yeah. just gone down the steps. But without an assistant or someone else to tell her what to do, she's sort of just flailing. And I would have just stayed on the boat. Sadly, yeah, yeah, probably would have been the wisest thing to do. She's safe. Just stay on, on the, the boat, boat until yeah. until the morning. Uh, the the way she manages to take down a whole squad of people <laughs> without yeah, looking is that. pretty impressive. Yeah, she her eyes are closed. Yeah. Um, but yeah. she's like Jennifer Coolidge, astonishingly good in that season yeah. she floats through the entire season until the final episode where she realizes what danger she's in and watching yeah. tanya desperately try to survive and get through this like she's you've never seen that side of her before you've never seen her have to reckon with genuine no. like danger or stress yeah. and um she sort of gets she manages it but then not well enough and then yeah doesn't yeah. really get there it's pretty sad um so yeah and then very quickly Insider.com have done 14 of the most cringeworthy things that happened on the White Lotus season two. So we don't need to talk mm. about these in as much detail, but we can, um, yeah. some, some things that made people cringe. First of all, when Harper almost didn't let Ethan order what he wanted for dinner, this is the moment in episode one where he says he wants fish and she's like, mm, it'd be too fishy though. <laughs> Move on. I hate, I, God, I hate, is this kind of couples that like codepend on any free everything, even like, choosing their food let the man eat whatever he wants to eat yep um when albie name dropped that he went to stanford in a really awkward way to porsche because mm -hmm. even though like you said he's not a terrible person but he still needs her to know that he went to stanford 
Yeah. And that's a vibe that nah. I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of. When Valentina slut-shamed Lucia and Mia early on. Uh, yeah, but she's, yeah, it's kind of weird, but it's very Italian. That's the, the one thing I love about this show mm-hmm. is that she he let the Italian actors speak Italian and the Italian kind of way of thinking mm-hmm. breathe because that's really Italian and I didn't find it, it is cringeworthy but it's so Italian that I was like, oh yeah, you know, that that's not, that would be happening. Yeah, 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 but it's still, yeah. it's still awkward yeah. stuff. Uh, but I do like the bit yeah. where she, he, um, Dominic comes back in with them and says, they're going to be my guests. They, they're going to come and go throughout the week. And Valentine just goes, mm. oh, I see. They're going to come and go. <laughs> yes. that's, that's very good. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, when Albie judged Portia for her romantic preferences, this is where um, in episode two, Portia describes what kind of guy she wants, telling Albie she would open be open to dating a caveman. And Albie condescendingly tells her to aim higher. What did you think of that? No. I don't think is it condescend I don't know. Well, th- I just feel like when when you say you want to date a caveman, you want to date something that is some, somebody that is rough and that's what I think about Porsche it's like she's she's kind of wanted to date this like rough guy but then she does and you see what happens with this caveman. Mm-hmm. You get treated like shit. And in a way when he says you can aim I higher, I don't think it's condescending. I think it's also saying why you have to date a guy that doesn't give a shit about you? True, but equally, like he could have said, rather than saying aim higher, he could have said, "Well, I'm not a caveman, but I, you know, he could have like pushed himself rather than just okay, telling her yeah, to aim I higher." Guess. Um, yeah. and also, well, the, the what this writer's written is people are allowed to have sex with who they want and desire who they want. Ah, oh, abs- absolutely, but then, but then she does have sex with who she wants, and she hates him. <laughs> yeah, but maybe similar to how Albie needs to go through that experience of being conned out yeah, fifty grand, absolutely. maybe she needed to have that because yeah. it does end on. on- there's a nice moment in the last episode where they do finally exchange numbers, Portia yeah. and Albie. Maybe there's some like I don't know what the third season of the White Lotus would be. I've read it. I've read rumors that it's going to be set at a sort of spiritual camp version oh of the White God. Lotus in in Japan. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be all these like rich people pretending to be spiritual. Yeah, in like Hokkaido or somewhere. Oh, wow. Yeah, so Japan set, supposedly. And if the returning characters of that season were maybe Albie and Portia on their honeymoon or something like that, mm. that could be an interesting way to, yeah. to to move forward. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, next up, we got... When- yeah, but I guess... Yeah, I understand anybody can sleep with whatever they want, but I think her she just wants some horrible man that <laughs> doesn't... She, she deserves yeah. better, she I does. think. But, yeah. Uh, when Tonya... This is a quicker one. When Tonya asked Portia to stay in her room while she sleeps... Very awkward. That's moment. ridiculous. What, what are you doing, Tanya? <laughs> Don't do that. That ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, when, when Albie at dinner asked his grandpa if he still gets erections at eighty. <laughs> Pretty cringeworthy moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. When Giovanni negotiated a do-over with Mia. So, da 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 da. Basically, when he can't. Um, complete the act and he negotiates trying again and she's like I don't want to do it again now and he's like come on that whole character of Giovanni awful I hate him Mm. hate him he deservedly gets a drink thrown in his face early on and that should have been yeah all we got of him but seeing his downfall when he comes back and tries to just take his job back and Valentina's like actually you're fired yeah a a lovely moment 
of the man being yeah, tired and yelling yeah. about it. Um, yeah, when Cameron told Lucia how to react to not being paid, basically told her off for complaining to him for not paying her in front of his wife. Yeah. Um, yeah, horrible. Go away, Cameron. Yeah. Cameron is yeah, exactly. awful. That's another reason why yeah. um, I wasn't keen on Daphne is just because like, she must to, to be able to be in the same room as Cameron for any extended amount of time. He must also be deeply troubled in some way. He's horrible. Yeah. I hated that character. Yeah. Um, yeah, when Tonya took drugs with mystery scammers at the party. Awkward times about <laughs> it. <laughs> Um, but she has a great party. I like that. The fact that she has a great party and she has a great time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, the, yeah, again, they're mentioning the failed family reunion. That was pretty embarrassingly cringy. Oh, this yeah. is one that made my heart shatter when Valentina got shot down by Isabella. Oh, yeah. When um, yeah. when she finds out that she's actually engaged to Rocco and Valentina yeah. just kind of crumbles. But... yeah. To be fair to Valentina, she then brings Rocco back. She doesn't punish Va- she doesn't punish Isabella for something that isn't her fault. No, you see what I mean? No. She could have like yeah. increasingly tried to keep them apart, find a reason to fire Rocco or something like that. But she does yeah. she does realise and allows them back together and that's, you know, nice. I'll be promising to lie to his mum for his dad's money. Yeah, he's player is a bit I was just like, Why why are you doing that? But then this father is a little bit more he has he has become better and he's not with the girls anymore for yeah, the last but it's 3 days in three the resort days, yeah. <laughs> it's not... uh he 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 was better so in a way you're like okay but we don't um, yet know if that's lasting change do we yeah we don't know if it's lasting change that was pretty but maybe Laura Dern weird. is ready to take him back after what Albie says yeah which could be nice yeah yeah and that's an, i mean if if the next season has Laura Dern and Dominic um reunited on a second honeymoon that could also be an interesting way to go because we only we hear laura dern on the end of a phone in this season as uh as the wife of dominic but we don't actually see her and yeah 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 he's just um i think i think albie is kind of like a little bit uh, still still teething (laughs) um and then this is their phrasing valentina doing the walk of shame at her job which I don't like the idea of the walk of shame, really, because it goes back to kind of like what we were talking about a few minutes ago. But in your own workplace, it probably is a bit of a <laughs> shameful thing. Yeah, to be doing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a walk of shame, just uh, the day after of, uh, you know, finding her her path in life. Yeah, and having a cleaner burst in on the hotel room that they think is empty, but it's actually got yeah. <laughs> Valentina. Yeah. In. Um, Harper admitting what actually did happen in the hotel room, or at least admitting her version of it to Ethan, uh, which we've, I we've thought that was weird. That. It's just that was really awkward. Um, yeah, it was very awkward, very awkward. Yeah, that's the end of that list. Yeah. Any other moments Great or bits season. that you want to point out as being particularly uh, worth discussion? Uh, it just there's so much to talk about in this in this series is so full of moments you know even when tanya is watching the opera and it's all like really you know and and the moment and the moment that when they have to leave the house and one of um the group of the gays knows that tanya's gonna die but he doesn't want that to happen because he actually likes her like Mm. tanya could have been saved at that moment 
uh, if, uh, you know, if they stopped it. It's such a good, great series. There's so much, you know, we could talk about it for hours because I think it's... Yeah, we could. Do you think, one last thing I want to say, do you think Jack and Portia escaped too easily after stealing the Arancini? Yeah, absolutely. Like, in Sicily, you would not escape that well. No. I'd, no. Like, they wait in oh. the alley for a moment and then just walk back out yeah. onto the street where it happened. I'm no. like, no, 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 come on. No, no. They're not going to let that drop. I want... So we were discussing uh, via WhatsApp about uh, the fact that you think that Greg got away. Oh, I don't yeah. think Greg is going to get away with it because there there must be some kind of evidence that he was connected to these people. They'll find the evidence because there's a photo in the villa. But I think I don't uh, think they're Greg... going to look for the evidence. I don't think. Why would the police look for that evidence? Well, because he his wife has been killed no his wife has she's his very... wife has killed a bunch of people and then yeah. fallen off a boat she's not been yeah killed. Mm, but i think i think it's too dodgy i don't think the insurance will i don't think there's going to be that. any clear because it's not life insurance money i don't know if there's going to be a big in... like it's 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 her well, money. The money will go to him yeah but that's yeah, not insurance that's 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 just he's going to inherit that money because she yeah. died i don't think there's going to be a big yeah. investigation i think the uh, Italian police are going to see a woman went mad on a boat, fell off it and died. There's no reason to suspect that her husband, who wasn't even in the country, would have anything to do with it. I don't think they're going to investigate mm. any any further than that. I And I wouldn't be surprised if we just never see that character again, if that's just it. Yeah, but if the, the boat, the police boat, is Guardia di Finanza, which is the financial police, is not the normal police. Mm-hmm. So... There, there must be a kind of because you know these guys are with the mafia and a mafia person got killed as well true but again i just like that's like they'll maybe be investigating the mafia connection and stuff i still yeah. don't think that it's going to be anything to do mm. with her money i don't know maybe maybe tanya will come back somehow into flashbacks Who knows? I, I don't think so no but let's i think yeah. there's definitely going to be a season three yeah, I think that the rumor is it's going to be set in Japan at a sort of spiritual yeah. resort, which is cool. Mm. I think that it seems to make sense that there would be returning characters again, just one or two returning characters. Mm. Who's your money on? And don't forget, it could be someone from season one. I like the idea that you were saying about having Alexandra Daddario and her husband coming back. Because mm. does she? I think I said that when we talked about the yeah. first season, maybe. Yeah. Well, because she makes the choice to stay with him, doesn't she, at the end of season Yeah. One. So yeah. seeing her a couple of years down the line now, mm. how would she have been changed by yeah. fully joining that world? That would definitely be cool. It would be interesting to have like a, a mixture between season one and season two characters that come together. Mm. Like, you know, uh, you know, Cameron and uh, Daphne always travel the world and they talked about all these resorts, so maybe... Uh, you know, like they're having another holiday. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm really excited to, to see the next season. I really love this one. Yeah, me too. I, I really loved it. I'm going to go with Albie and Portia. I think they're going to be back. Yeah. Because I think of all the characters as well, they feel like they would be the types to go, let's go to a spiritual retreat in mm. in Japan, but still yeah. at some exceptionally high-priced place on yeah on his well, dad's money you know yeah 
So I I really like the you know one thing I really like that Albie played his dad and got money out of him. I think that was really good. Yeah, I know that they it was because you know he was gonna tell his mum that everything is fine, but I think I like that the fact that he just used his dad for money. Yeah, I can I can get behind that. Yeah. Brilliant. Great season. Great season. Great, great. great five season. five buckets full of Sicilian clams out of five. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, some uh, recommendations then, which we forgot to do last time. Sorry, guys. Yes. What would you recommend people do from your culture catch up today? Uh, watch, she said, definitely. And uh, if you haven't watched any of the Arisu in Borderland, watch the first season, or if not, definitely watch the second season. Nice. Uh, I'm going to recommend to people that they check out Ennis Main and Bait. Nice. Too much I want to. Movies. I want to try and find them. I think. They, I think you're about to find Bait, and it's only about it's eighty nine minutes long, and I think you'll be able to find it quite easily. So definitely mm. check out Bait if you can. It's very good. Um, and next time we'll definitely talk about the Wonder. The Wonder, along with we've got we've got. Probably three specials in a row coming up for you. We're going to do a big project, and I'm yes. extremely excited about it. We're going to be doing the culture bucket of our lives. Myself and Alex will be going through every single year we've been alive. And for each year, we're going to be telling you our favourite movie of that year and our favourite album of that year and anything else we want to throw in. I might throw in video games because I'm a big gamer. I love gaming. <laughs> Um and uh, we'll 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 yeah we'll compile a list of the best media of each year that we've been alive and I am excited I think it's a cool little project we're gonna do so please join us for it next time, uh episode number ninety, wow mm. ninety that's 90. amazing yeah so let's uh, yes chef <laughs> I love you all. <laughs> Let's um, let's call it there. That's an episode. Thank you. As I said up top, please rate, please review, please everything. Subscribe. Talk to us. Tell us your feelings. Tell us your thoughts. Come at us with anything you want. Um, and uh, what did you think of season two of the White Lotus? Better or worse than season one? Who can say? Oh yeah, better or worse than season one, Alex. Ah, uh, incomparable. They're so both so good. Incomparable, I'd agree. Incomparable, uncomparable, incomparabile. The set, the hit rate is flying. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, Mike White, who wrote School of Rock, I think. I know. What a thing crazy. to come from. I, mean, I know. To make this incredible piece of work. Ah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, everyone. I love you, and we'll see you next time. Okay. Thank, you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.